and it's yeah, it's on. Right. Okay, so this so is. Did you want to do the? Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say this is uh, the first episode, or maybe it's episode <laughs> zero because I don't even know if it'll make episode it on there. Testing. Episode point five there of a go. podcast like that may or may not exist, <laughs> that may or may not, that doesn't have a title or and a very shaky concept. So, <laughs> thanks for being the first, or maybe not, guest. The, the non, the non uh, guest, the yeah, non-visitor. for sure. So, the premise that I've come up with so far is to, like, go through my phone and find, I was telling you a minute ago, yeah. to find the most interesting people on your phone, and then to drum up a conversation with them right. uh, for a podcast basis, and... So I, I made a, a list, and there was only, like, four names on my phone. <laughs> Sorry, everybody who doesn't end up company. on here. Yeah. But, like, most interesting is pretty broad, right? It can have yeah, a yeah. lot of, like, there's a, a lot of wiggle room there. So it's not for always sure. going to be the same type of person. But I, I picked you because, for, like, one, I was worried there would be a lot of dead air. And <laughs> you are a talker. Yes. But also you know kind of everything about everything <laughs> i don't know about that well I know okay you know it. a lot of facts about a lot of topics Fair enough. and i figured like you'd be able to carry on the yeah, conversation for the most part. <laughs> but all right let's start with that dude like how do you, like if i said like what is the history of butter would you be able to tell me something about that I mean, a little bit, just, well, okay, so when you break knowledge like that down, it's, it's, uh, the best thing that I can say is I just have a really good memory. Like, recall happens for me very easily. Uh-huh. So when somebody says something like the history of butter, like, there's just some, some shit in my head already. Mm. I don't know any specifics, but I can kind of get the basics. Like, one of them is, you know, human beings have always, especially when starvation was a real problem, we're always looking for calorie-dense food. You know, you want to eat something and produce something that's going to keep you going for a couple of days. So butter is just a way to put more fat, more calories on your food. That's what it's for. That makes sense. And it's essentially condensed cream. You're just taking cream, which is liable to go bad really easily. And to be perfectly honest, not very pleasant to drink before the discovery of sugar. Like just pure cream is not really something you usually want to mess with. Um, and you're just condensing that down into a really calorie-dense, more durable-than-cream thing. Okay, but see, though, so this is my point, though, is, like, yeah. we're talking about butter. Right. Like, do you, is this all conjecture, or did you actually, like, so this read was something and this is pull kind of it my out point. of So the I have source. these facts that are sort of, like, flying around, and to be perfectly honest, I'm, um, I probably shouldn't reveal this, but a lot of times it's, I'm just, put like, connecting the dots and assuming I'm right. But... Quite frankly, in my experience, I'm I'm usually right. Like I do that because it usually works. Frankly, like if you like everything, like everything in the world is going to work on some logical basis. Shit doesn't just come out of nowhere. So if you have some, a general idea of the factors, you can usually be like, it probably something well, like this. Maybe, but what if you're like the conspiracy theory guy of facts? Because there's a lot of conspiracy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a lot of of people who are like, oh the government is secretly run by lizard people and yeah. if you look at this bit of info and this bit of info right. and and you know that newspaper clipping you can tie it into this narrative they're creating yeah. so like is that what you're doing 
No, I mean, not. To, <laughs> I mean about butter. I'm not nearly like, that sophisticated. <laughs> like nothing that I just said about butter was untrue. Like That's, I know yeah. all of it was true. There may be some other factors that I'm missing. I may not be giving you a complete picture of the topic we're talking about. And obviously, butter is a stand-in. I don't care that much about my accuracy about butter. Uh-huh. But you know, whatever we're talking about, like there may be some factors that I that I'm not considering, which is why I love conversation with really interesting people because a lot of times I'll build this whole narrative out of a few snippets of information that are in my brain somewhere and somebody like yeah but what about this I was like oh I've never thought of it that way and then that just sort of and I'm 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 fascinated by and generally pretty good at just sort of like reshuffling the deck on the fly like well if we accept that premise and that means this and then that means this and then that thing that I said might actually work this way and that's just fascinating to me like just sitting there with somebody and going huh well what if and then just discussing the ramifications of what somebody just said that I hadn't considered before. That's just fun. Yeah. But, I mean, how do you decide what topic to even look at? Uh, you mean, like, to find information? Yeah, like, so, like, how, how, you're almost always reading, right? I'm usually reading, if I'm, if I can't read, like, when I'm in the car, I'm usually listening to podcasts or YouTube videos. Yeah. And that sounds really high-minded, like, oh, I No, I, I listen to, to podcasts, and I'm definitely not high-minded, yeah. dude. Well, it's like I listen to, like, like, like people like Sam Harrison and, and Jordan Peterson and um, uh, uh, Milton Freeman and all of these, like, kind of big thinkers. But, like, that's, like, half the time. The other times, you know, I woke up in the morning, and I was kind of futzing around on my computer before I got a shower, and I saw a video that was, like you know, the the history of the Roman Gladius. And I'm like, I would like to know that. So on my way to work, I'll throw that on. So you're like, your, your um, like social media algorithms or whatever just start totally throwing messed. you yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just I'll like, get rid of everything you wanted like, to know about yeah. tinkering. Although what's really weird is if there's an idea that I find fascinating, even if it's like radical, like it's, it's like way out there and I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'm like, I wonder what this guy's point is. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I'll watch like a YouTube video where someone's talking about, you know, the, the, I don't know, pick a topic. There's all this sort of like communists have infiltrated the government uh-huh. or, you know, universities are trying to corrupt, like are on, not, it's not just sort of a movement. It's a dedicated, like these people all got together in a dark room somewhere uh-huh. and like plotted this out like back in the fifties. And now here we are. And I'm like, well, that's kind of like, let's see what his points are. Uh-huh. And I'll listen to it skeptically, and they might make some points, but I'm like, okay, well, I don't know that. But then, like, the next day, my YouTube homepage is like, you know, there's an alien satellite orbiting the Earth, and no one knows why it's there. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> know. I've gone that, too that... far down the rabbit <laughs> yeah. hole. The other rabbit hole is coming for me. Yeah. A little bit. Exactly. Right? But that's also fascinating, too, because sometimes you come across some just entertaining, entertaining stuff. And a lot of, like, just years of doing that has led me now to, I'm fascinated, why? Like, why does somebody think this? Like, what leads somebody to really that crazy, batshit, radical idea? Like, what it, what is the cause of that? What is the background of that? And, I mean, you can s- expand that out any way you want. Like, why are some people religious and some people not? Uh-huh. It's not just your upbringing, because frankly, I was raised very religious, and I'm not anymore. And I know people who were born to, uh, you know, just compl- frankly, my father, uh, my whole, my dad's whole side of his family are very like, very practical, very pragmatist. I don't think any of them would go so far as to call themselves an atheist, but in their actions, they're atheists. Yeah. Um, but my dad went to seminary. He was going to be a preacher, 
Uh-huh. I mean, he eventually decided not to do that, but I mean, obviously, that's a pretty big swing. Yeah. So it's like, what is the factor? Like, what is that thing in your brain that just switches you from one path to another with some really fundamental, like, how you're going to live your life in accordance to the universe as if there's a God or a plan or anything like that? That's a huge deal. Yeah. So, like, what is it that, like, switch, flips that, that switch to a different track? And starts, you know, because that changes your whole I mean, life. it has to be something nurture-related, right? Because if it was nature, then all of the other relatives would have had the same inclination, Yeah, exactly. Right? Well, I feel like there's, um, as with everything, there's a combination of the two. I don't think there's anything in your life that's 100% nurture or 100% nature. Yeah. I'm, well, except maybe, like, your height. Like, that's obviously your DNA. But mm. anything to do with your psychology, your choices, your personality, I think all of that is a combination of the two. I think there's, this is my opinion, but I think there are some personality types, there are some just mental makeups that make people more apt to seek something like that. You know, and it's it's a little too facile to say some people are strong enough to deal with the nihilism and some people aren't. Yeah. So some people have to find as answers. I think that's a little too facile. Like, that may be an element, but there's more What's to What's facile mean, dude? I don't uh, know that. <laughs> facile would mean, like, sort of like a weak argument. Like, it's just sort of an obvious, like, oh, it's just sort of, nah, it's just, it's this. It's and like a blanket statement? Yeah. Okay. It's this, and then move on. It's like, no, that's that's not enough. It's more complicated. It's, it's more deep. It's more rich than that. Uh, um, but I think that that kind of gets at it. It's like there are certain personality types that tend to be, but then, of course, obviously how you're raised is going to have something to do with it. Yeah. Because, like, looking at my uncles, like, my dad was definitely the one who would have moved to religion. You know what I mean? Just from his, the type of person he is. But, of course, I have to recognize the fact that I'm, I know my dad after that moment. Uh-huh. So it's entirely possible that he's the type who would go to be a preacher because he did. You know, maybe it's apocryphal. Maybe he, that change already happened in him because of his choice. So now I'm saying, I'm assuming... Wait, hold on, stop, stop. That change already happened... Already happened in him. In other words, him. if I had known my dad before he went to seminary, maybe it would have surprised me that he oh, went to seminary. Oh, okay, right. But knowing my dad after he went to semin- seminary, maybe it makes sense to me, and I'm just thinking, well, obviously... So I don't, I don't know. There's limits to that knowledge. Yeah, it's like but, when you can see the, the path that somebody took. But sometimes that, that throws you off too, though. That's where you're, you're talking about the why. Like, um, so I just gave you this book, um, which I haven't even read. I just yeah. gave it to you for your birthday, um, called The Way of Men. And if did you look up anything on that author? Uh, yeah, name, I have his, some basic info. Yeah, yeah. so uh, it's a guy named Jack Donovan, and like his the premise of his book seems interesting, but there's parts of the da- of the guy that I find like, ooh, that's kind of creepy yeah. and off putting. Like, uh, but um, at the same time, so I was watching old YouTube videos about yeah. about him, and uh, he's like, for anybody who's too lazy to look him up, or for the zero listeners that I have, yeah. <laughs> um, Jack Donovan is a, an author. He's like openly gay, but also like openly anti-establishment, very uh, masculine icon. Um, not in a gay way at all. Oh yeah, just traditional like, masculinity. Yeah, super yeah. like uh, like kind of right wing, but at the same time, he's also like this Nordic, like on the verge of white nationalist. Yeah. So, 
But uh, in old YouTube videos, I guess he wrote one of his first books, or maybe it's his first book, was about, like, gay culture and how mm -hmm. it was going down this path that he thought was kind of weird. And yeah. in that video, it's either a YouTube video or a news story, but he looks like a completely normal guy yeah. in, like, a polo, and he's a little chubby. Yeah. And then you look at him now, and the guy's, like, jacked yeah. with this, like, Charles Manson hair, like, shaved yeah. head, and it's, like what what's the why there like what triggered that guy because he was already an adult yeah yeah to suddenly just switch go off the rails from, yeah. well i don't even know if it's off the rails because uh, i mean he seems to be pretty together well, not necessarily even off the if rails you don't agree in, with everything he does not but off like, the rails so much that he's crazy but definitely he's there was radical. a radical like, there's transformation a push out to the far territory sure. i think some of that see and talk about the why this is always so interesting so like i've had a couple of friends who also said that you know gay friends who are like, I don't understand why. Like, I, I understand that, you know... Okay, so a friend of mine, his name is Mike, he made the point that he felt like um, it was sort of an internalized homophobia mm -hmm. to be so convinced that being gay is somehow has to be so different from just being another guy. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, that idea pushes a lot of the gay community to be... Like, to, to sort of divide themselves, to stand apart. Yeah, I get in trouble with my wife for this all the time. Because yeah. I'm, whenever I see... Like, there's, dude, there's this fucking cologne advertisement on YouTube yeah. um, recently. And it was like... I, I kind of thought it was maybe, like, women were supposed to be into the guy. And yeah. he's like, he's got this... He's real thin and he's real feminine and he's dancing around. And, like, gold lines and stuff are popping out of his chest. That's and it's the... It's a commercial for, like, uh, some cologne, gold. And I was telling my wife about this. And I was like, it's so weird. Yeah. And it's super gay. And my wife was getting mad at me. But I was trying to say, like, well, that's not, that's not what, I, I mean, even I just used the word gay. Yeah. But that's not what gay is. Because, like, David is yeah. super gay. Yeah. But you wouldn't know that. Our, yeah. Our friend David is super gay, but you would have, you wouldn't, it's not the first thing that you would identify That comes to mind. And there are many, many other facets. It's not facets. the very first classification. And there's many other there facets to his personality as well. Like, you, you could, you could spend hours with Dave and the whole, his sexuality just not even be It doesn't factor. come up, right? You know what I mean? But at the same time, he might just be like, oh yeah, I love EDC. I love going to these giant raves with a bunch of other gay dudes and just getting down. <laughs> yeah. And he, it's not that he's, he's like, he hides that but shit. He just but he just time, it comes up when it's relevant. Exactly. It's not his whole being. Yeah. It's not who he is. Um, but just going back to the conversation I had with my friend Mike, he was like, you know, on the one hand, I understand when you have sort of a, a marginalized or oppressed or whatever word of the day you want to use, when you have a minority group, uh -huh. um, you know... There's usually a, a, a drive to set yourself apart. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That's true of any any group. Because it's like an us versus them mentality. It's an us versus them putting you down for so exactly. Long. It's also that pride. It's that sense of like you you know you think that we're just this, but uh, we're going to be so much more than that. Blah blah. blah. Having pride in yourself, and that ha that happens in any any minority community or any set upon community anywhere. Um, so uh, to a certain extent, like it's understandable, but his point was always he feels like it kind of gets pushed to an extreme because it's actually an internalized homophobia. It's the it's many members of the gay community accepting the idea that being gay means you're not a real man. You 
thinks. That, that, that's what he was... Well, that was his point. Yeah. Because his point was, like, they're, they're being pushed away from traditional masculinity because they feel like they can't partake in it because they're gay. And he said a truly egalitarian idea would be you can be a hairy-chested man's man's lumberjack yeah. and also be gay, that those two things are not related. Do you know what's funny about that, though, is have you ever noticed that if you like something that is very masculine and very man's man... Like, uh, I was watching... I'm obsessed with uh, UFC, so I was watching... Um, an old UFC fight at um, my my parents my in-laws house and the my father-in-law is this total musician old guy wears makeup and uh, yeah. chip <laughs> like is in a punk band and everything but he was sitting there watching me watch the fights and, it's, yeah. and he's saying this is two guys in their underwear all over each other yeah. beating the crap out of each other you're gay and I was like no, definitely not. Definitely this not, is yeah. a super manly thing. Yeah, to, two men engaged a in a fight contest. to see yeah. who's the better one. But you, do you know what I mean? Like if you saw, like, uh, there's, there's like that lens of like, oh, the the movie, the three hundred, that's really gay. Yeah. Or but it's or like, oh, even like, oh, it's a military movie and there's no women in it. That's really gay. Yeah. It's really weird how like the super masculine. Lynn's is viewed as gay if at the same time the gay community you know, I mean this is two straight white guys yeah, talking, yeah, yeah. so what the fuck do we know right we're but, just spitballing like, yeah. we could be totally yeah, we fucking could be completely wrong off. But, <laughs> but, and then you have the gay community like shying away or at least parts of the gay community shying away from the um, masculine yeah. ideal saying they don't fit in That's there's a, like an irony there yeah, but, yeah. no I, I see what you're saying <laughs> And I, I mean, all of it, we all view everything through our social, like, viewpoint. Like, you know, is, uh, the, the Greeks actually, uh, you know, they would wrestle naked. I mean, two guys would just get butt naked and rub their dicks on each other. And, yeah, it doesn't sound as appealing when you say it that right? way, though. But that's because that's not what they were seeing. They were seeing it as two men competing to, to win in a wrestling match. And the idea would be that, you know, the... the Really, in a lot of ways, like the the one of the most dominant ways to beat somebody is you know it's not that I punched you harder or I just got in a lucky shot. Wrestling is definitely a you know much more of a man to man, at least in their opinion, and I see where they're coming from. Yeah. Um, so for them, the nakedness wasn't an issue. It, it wasn't you know just the fact that his his balls are on my leg. It just doesn't even enter into... But again, that's that's the viewpoint. And you can kind of put yourself in a space where you can see that not mattering because it's just expected. Uh-huh. But at the same time, we would look at that and be like, they got oiled up, they, they covered themselves in olive oil and got naked and just decided to go wrestling yeah, with finger I'm quotes. Good, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> not... So again, it's all like how you're going to look at it. Like You look at 300 and it's, you know... Yeah, you know, it's a bunch of guys with like rippling abs and just being super badass and throwing spears a hundred yards and all that kind of shit. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you can see that as dudes being badass. I mean, having rippling abs is actually pretty badass. But then you could also be like, why do you want to stare at a bunch of guys with rippling abs? Yeah. Is it though? I was uh, the rippling abs thing. I was thinking about this uh, the other day because uh, I don't know. I was, I just had this idea that like if you took like a uh, a men's health magazine or men's fitness, whatever, and you laid it next to uh, like a a women's fitness magazine, yeah. like Balance or whatever it yeah. is, and you turn the pages, 
it's almost identical. Almost identical. And, yeah. and it seems like, uh, like, I had this idea that somebody somewhere down the line realized, like, we are making so much money off of, like, Cosmo and and makeup products and te- convincing women to be really all this insecure money. Yeah. about their looks and to invest all this stuff into their looks. And then somebody just went, let's just do it to guys, too. Yeah. And, then, and then you see that shift, and it, it works. It, oh, yeah. It works for me. To, to a certain I, extent, yeah. Yeah, I catch myself sometimes. But at the same time, I'm still, like, at the gym every morning. And well, but here's the thing with the idea of, like, the metrosexual. And... You know, that term, you don't hear that as much anymore, largely because it's just been accepted that guys should care about their appearance. Mm -hmm. And I would agree. Like, the the, the slovenly dude who can't be bothered to ever shave, his hair's a mess, that's a beard, there's a difference. You know, his uh, his hair's a mess, you know, he's always in flip-flops and shorts, and, you know, you've seen him. You go to, like, a a decent restaurant, there's some guy in, like, a t-shirt, and you're like, what are you doing, man? So, like, I have my level of how you should, how much you should care about your appearance. But I also have a point where I think, well, that's too far. Yeah. But at the same time, you kind of have to admit that that's arbitrary. Like, everyone's going to set that point differently. Like, I'm a fairly hairy, hairy I, guy. Don't you set it to what what's the standard in the movies, though? Isn't that where most people set I, that Not standard? necessarily. Like, I'll give you this example. And I use this a lot for, like, the body positivity people. Because they're like, women have suffered so horribly at, you know, being... being measured up against these models and these actresses. Uh-huh. And I'm not disagreeing with that fact, but I'm like, you, you're blind to the fact that this happens to everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Chris Evans is, you know, a, a tanned, muscular Captain America who has his shirt off in at least one scene mm-hmm. for every movie. That's different somehow. That's not a thing. Like, obviously, I'm measuring myself against that as well. I'm going, well, I'm a fucking slob. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's the <laughs> same idea. They didn't used to do that so, as much, though. They didn't used to do like, it as much, but they did. if you look at old action movies... Oh, no. Like, What's really funny before is Arnold. Really old action movies are almost comical in how out of shape everyone is. <laughs> I was, like John I, Wayne or something. Like John Wayne. Or I, I randomly came across the, the Captain America uh, TV serial from the 40s. Uh-huh. And the dude is like... 35 and paunchy uh-huh. and what i also thought was really funny is he carries a gun uh-huh. like so it's captain america but no shield and a gun and he doesn't have a shield he didn't have a shield and i watched like oh, the start of a couple of episodes uh-huh. like i never finished the episode because it was just too weird but then like the second episode would pop up on my homepage. we're like well, let me just check it out <laughs> and it seemed to be a recurring theme where he would like get the drop on the bad guys with the gun but like hold it right there mm-hmm. and literally every single time like, he, there'd be two or three guys, and he'd be trying to, like, corral them. And somebody would get the drop on him and knock the gun out of his hand, and then they'd have a fist fight. Uh. And it was such a weird choice that the way they got an action scene was to have Captain America be incompetent. <laughs> like, you have a gun on unarmed people. Yeah. And you're so stupid that you walk right up to them and say, hey, get over there. And then someone knocks the gun out of your hand. It was like, this is your hero? Yeah. This that is, was, like, your guy? That was, like, at a time where America was, like, pretty dominating in the world field too oh yeah it's funny because now it's like we've kind of gone the opposite way not that we're not dominating yeah yeah but you know way less we're like oh maybe we don't want to get involved in this conflict or uh we Oh, largely it was the it was the spirit but and that's then, again, and sorry, then the comic books guys are like super badass super, super indestructible yeah. super jacked so the point that i always like to make is i'm a fairly i'm a fairly hairy guy uh, and for me 
while I would say probably more often than not, people like people tend to prefer like less hairy as a as a as an ideal. Um, to me, like shaving my chest is out of the question. That's yeah. just stupid. Like this is this is my body. A- anything that you're gonna go so far as to be like fundamentally altering just how you look, I kind of think that that goes too far. Uh-huh. But at the same time, look at Wolverine in the movies. Now in the comic books, Wolverine's supposed to be a bestial, yeah. hairy, there short. are thick, super short, yeah, and there are thick black lines drawn across his forearms just to show how incredibly hairy he is. And we have Hugh Jackman's just smattering of whiskers. Uh-huh. But, and even that was like a concession. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Because none of the other superheroes have any body hair. Yeah. And they were like, well, Wolverine's supposed to be hairy. So in through that idea, that lens, that idealized Hollywood masculine man, like that tiny little smattering of chest hair they allow Hugh Jackman to keep, which is obviously manicured too. Uh-huh. Like that's not just, it's not like they just let him grow his natural body hair. But that's like the hairy Wolverine superhero. Yeah. So it's like to say that there's no image manipulation on all sides is I'm sorry. Uh, it's just it's 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 dishonest. Yeah, I don't think anybody's arguing that though. I just I just want it's just weird. Like yeah, it's weird how and that if, happened and how we all kind of bought it. Well, so. I, well, I was gonna say I remember like making fun of like we used to call I, I had a coworker. And we used to call him Metro for being metrosexual because he was the one. He was like late to my birthday party one year because he had, he wanted to buy new shoes to go to my birthday uh-huh. party. And we were all like, "Dude, nobody would have cared about your shoes." But nobody uses the term metrosexual anymore because that idea sort of won out. Like people are just sort of like, "Yeah, you know, you should buy like the best quality hair products, and you should, you know, uh, care about how trendy your shoes are." I mean, I mean, just in our circle of friends, like. You know, Mike has made a couple of comments about my footwear before, and I'm like, dude, why do you care? But yeah. he's he's in that camp. Like, that's an idea. And even, you know, I'm not trying to say I'm immune to it, because, you know, you don't want to look like everybody's, a slob. Everybody's you know? a victim of it. Well, because, not that a victim, but everybody participates on Participates. Well, because we, we want to... You want to move towards the societal norm. And obviously that doesn't mean that you want to be a clone of everyone else, but there's like a range yeah. that's considered the norm and you want to fall in that range, somewhere in that range. You're going to pick your spot and you're going to go there. And there are very few people, as much as they'd love to say that they are, there are very few people who are honestly comfortable being completely outside that range. Yeah, well, that's like, that's why you see like the cookie cutter bartender with the big beard and the mm-hmm. lumberjack pattern shirt. tattoos are more popular but they're all on the forearms like you know what yeah I mean? like everyone yeah. follows a certain pattern or um or how even when you see people who are trying to rebel and be like i'm not mainstream i'm outside of the mainstream but they all look the same uh-huh they all you know the way you're not mainstream well, it's is a to tribe. put on it's a yeah, tri- yeah the yeah. way you're you're separating yourself from mainstream is is wearing a handlebar mustache <clears> a bow tie and suspenders like everyone else in that particular bar uh-huh. or you know you go to high school and it's like all of the goths decided to rebel in exactly the same way. Yeah. Interesting. Very few people are honestly comfortable with being wholly on their own and independent. We're yeah. social animals. We're incredibly social animals. We're more social than any creature on the planet. If you leave a child alone, like there, there are situations where they don't have any social interaction, their their brains just stop working. Yeah, they yeah. Like, and they never, they'll, they're never able... If they don't have that social interaction while they're growing up, while their brain is developing, they'll never get it back. They'll be feral for the rest of their life. That's what's so weird about all the screens now. Is uh, 
Well, there's already studies on the detriments. Like we know it's damaging. More on the screens, it's going to take away more and more of that interaction. It's going to like somehow like lower the bar in a generation or two. Oh yeah. Well, look at how much of an effect it's had just on us. I mean, really stop and think about it. When did you get your first smartphone? Uh, It was right. At the same time, I started dating my wife, so about six years ago. So six years ago, you got your first smartphone, and already it would be almost impossible to imagine not having it. Yeah, yeah. And you're someone who, more than most, is not chained to the phone. There are some people who just can't live without it. Like, you're, you're fairly independent of your, of your connectivity. Mm. Fairly. But even for you, like, you know, when you think back to when, when cell phones weren't even a thing, that's the other thing. Technology is going so fast... Uh, we grew up at a time when there wasn't even cell phones, at least not in any practical yeah. way. And now we have mini computers connected to cell phones. Uh, yeah, I remember thinking that we were like the last generation to even barely remember what life was like before the internet. Yeah. Like, yeah, I remember getting AOL and being AOL like, yeah! was huge in middle yeah. school. Yep. Elementary school or middle school, I don't know. Well, so the interesting thing for me, because there's, there's two... And again, everything is usually a balance. So there's two looks at this. First of all, all of this technology, you know, iPads, smartphones, on the one hand, it's actually an awesome educational tool. I mean, the fact that, um, you know, kids can grow up feeling even more connected to people who are, you know, your your cousin is overseas or something, and yet you can still talk to him. Mm -hmm. That's great. It does actually bring people together in that regard. Um, It's a great educational tool. Uh, educational games, just the information that's available. Look up whatever you need to look up. Do your schoolwork, you know, with the assistance of the internet. All of that is fascinating. But it seems like too much of it, once it starts replacing human interaction, even if that interaction is texting, even if it's technically human interaction, to the human brain, it's not human interaction. You're not getting... You're not educating yourself. And again, kids pick up a lot subliminally. They pick up a lot subconsciously. When you're not educating yourself to read body language, to read a room, understand the mood, realize when you're annoying somebody, realizing when somebody's upset, realizing when you need to comfort them as opposed to laugh at them. All of these things are nonverbal, face-to-face interactions that you need to learn how to perceive when you're fairly young. Yeah, and that makes sense because everybody, there's like more and more autistic kids. Like, that's huge. It's huge I mean, right there, now. Were, like, there weren't autistic kids when we were younger. Or maybe there were, but we didn't have well, a word I think for a, it. A certain element was misdiagnosis, but at the same time, statistically, there are a lot more people with autism. Yeah. Don't pick up on social cues. Yeah. Et cetera. Yeah. Do you think it's going to swing back though? Yes. Like, because that's yeah. So do I. I think it's kind of like the Wild West right now. Um, yeah. And it's like everybody's got a gun on their hip, and it's uh, yeah, you know, showdown in the saloon, yep. or you know, like Twitter wars, or fucking Trump, or whatever it is. But uh, I think it. I think that like eventually, it's we're going to absorb it over Realize a generation or two, it, yeah. and then kind of filter out, you know etiquette and what's acceptable and how much you should be on it yeah just like uh, you know like like the car where yeah. before you would get a car um 
and they would deliver it to you, show you how to drive it, yeah, give yeah. you a 20-minute lesson, and then send you on your way. Yeah. Now it's like, no, 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 no. There's, like, driver's <laughs> licenses and freeways. There's rules and, and, and yeah. Yeah. And so much of, of... I hope it swings back otherwise. Well, I think everything everything's a bit of a pendulum, and I think you can already start to see it. So, for example, um, at least in, in our circles, I think, uh, there's there's definitely an interest and there's definitely a idea to um, uh, going back to nature. There's definitely like more of a push. Like when I was a kid, nobody went hiking. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Nobody talked. To, I mean, I knew some families who went camping, but there was the camping families and the non-camping families. Now there's a there's definitely an interest in like oh I've never been I've never been out to like the park what would it take or let me just go spend a weekend in a cabin in the woods just to see what it's like mm-hmm. there's there's that i go ha- hiking every weekend because i need to be back in nature you know what i mean i feel like w- everything kind of swings and people start to realize that being shut up in one room all the time like never really doing anything outside and, and he, with human interaction is maybe not good and but you don't real you usually don't realize it just the way the human brain works we don't realize it until it gets bad and another example of that is for the la- and it's weird how fast it happened, but since 2012, roughly, there's just been this freeze of all controversial ideas on a lot of university campuses. And I know a lot of people have talked about this, and it, it, there's always sort of like, the, it's controversial to a certain extent. But one thing you kind of have to accept is that, or admit, is that there was no pushback. There was no pushback. However crazy you wanted to be, about, you know, uh, complaining about buzzwords and, and, and microaggressions and expanding the definition of offensive behavior, um, there was very little pushback. And just this year, we're starting to see, like, certain universities, certain, um, certain presidents of universities being like, no, your safe space is not valid. You know, if you want to have a safe space, go back to your dorm. Like, you know, we're not... Like, that we're not coddling this. Um, what's going on at Evergreen College right now, the state legislature, because it's a state-funded school, the, there are several members of the Washington state legislature that are like, you know what? If you're going to literally shut down your school to the point where nobody's had classes for four days, we're just going to pull funding from yeah. the university. We're just going to stop paying for it. Because right now, people are paying for you to be a child and throw a tantrum. And so you kind of, like... Things tend to move in one direction until they reach a point where everyone's like, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then you start to see the pushback. Then you start to see things swinging the other way. So I, I, it, it goes by decades, but I think it's going to happen. Right on. So I'm going to shift gears completely here. Sure. But I want to get this in because uh, it's also one of the reasons why... I decided to have you as a guest because I think it's just a cool concept. But you are in the process of creating your own board game. Yes. Now, is there like a lot of market for board games? Because I feel like our like our circle of friends, you know, will pl- will play games. Uh, but I always felt like that's kind of a small niche. Yeah. Well, it is definitely a niche, but it's a growing niche. Actually, a lot of the a large segment of Kickstarter and Indiegogo and those kinds of websites right now are getting games started. Uh-huh. Um, Video games or like games like, like, ta- like tabletop old games. games. Yeah, 
a big part of that is actually tabletop games. Now, of course, that means that there's a certain amount of market saturation. So as with anything, you really need to be in the very tip-top uh-huh. of quality before you're even considered. But I'm I'm arrogant enough to think that that's something I can pull off. Yeah, well, everybody is, right? Right, yeah, exactly. Um, so there's, there's about a, I think it's an 80% failure rate on Kickstarter for tabletop games right now. Mm-hmm. When we consider most entrepreneurial ventures have like a 90% failure rate, uh, that's not all that daunting. Uh-huh. So plus, um, you know, I, I know that I'm fairly good at game systems. Um, and I know, well, we both know a couple people that are fairly good with, business and marketing yeah and Dolph right now is about to go into Kickstarter for his card game mm-hmm. so now he designed the game he picked his design specifically because it's very cheap to produce mm-hmm. so therefore it's not it doesn't That's take that smart. much investment capital yeah it's a deck of cards like it's really not like for me it's gonna be a couple different decks of cards and a whole bunch of dice it's not incredibly expensive it's not like a full board game uh, where you need all these, you know, all these pieces and stuff, uh-huh. but it's not going to be necessarily cheap to produce. Um, but that's actually something I'm getting to the point in the game design where I'm actually starting to look at if somebody could make this stuff for me, and it's actually less expensive than I thought. Oh, nice. Um, but no, it's I, I like it. It's a pretty cool concept. It has. When I sat down to do it, I had the con, I had the idea, and then I was like. Okay, how should it work? And you know, you know, the premise is easy. You know, now. Let's I mean, get how do you come tax. up with the idea and go like, okay, that's the idea? Because I can sit here and come up with a bunch of things that I think are cool, but then to commit to one and stick. Well, so that's what out. I did. So I well, I have I have four tabletop games that they're in a file on my computer somewhere, and I, I eventually want to develop them. But obviously, a nascent idea might sound awesome, and then when you go into development, you got to tweak it. You know, this game is not what it was when I first envisioned it. But what I did is I sat down and I said, what are the elements, like, what are the factors that make me really like a game? Mm. Like, because I've played enough games where I can be like, I hated that game, that game was alright, that game's cool, I fucking love this game. Uh And it's like, try to really break it down, and, and sometimes that's hard because, you know, things strike you on a subconscious level and you might not be able to articulate why you like it. But, like, really kind of sit down and, and try to analyze it. And so I kind of saw it as a few different things. One, the, the amount of random um, uh, random elements has to be balanced. Because the games that I really hate are the ones that are totally random. Because it's like, I mean, I could sit down with somebody and flip a coin mm. and, 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 and just sort of see what happens. You know, and that's going to be about the same amount of fun. You can dress it up with a board and a whole bunch of other things. But if it's nothing... But, like, the randomness of a, of a set of dice, and there's no strategy involved, I don't care. Yeah. You don't, you're not happy when you win because you didn't have anything to do with it, and you're not even that upset when you lose because you didn't have anything to do with it. So, what's the point? So, you need to have a balance of strategy versus, um, versus random elements. As a subset of that idea, there needs to be multiple viable strategies. That's what really gets my... That lights my brain up. It's like, I can take one of, one of several paths... And all of them are going to be possibly successful. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, there's some games where, and this is going back old school because I haven't played this game in almost 10 years, but like Magic the Gathering, there were certain types of decks, there were certain strategies that were clearly superior to the others. So it was sort of like, yeah, you're giving me a multiple options, but you're also kind of pushing me in one direction, 
by how much more viable this is than something else. Or how much easier it is to succeed this way than it is to succeed the other way. So if you can have multiple viable strategies where they're going to work differently, but they're going to actually, they'll, they'll have an equal opportunity of success, I think that's pretty cool. And then the third thing that I, I identified that's really important to me is interaction between the players. There are some games where you're just all going around the board and it doesn't really matter what the other players are doing. Essentially, it's like a race. Yeah. We're all going around the board. We're all trying to get as many goal points as we can. And then at some point, the game ends and we tally them up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter what the other guy did. It doesn't really matter if he, you know, he can't do anything to me. I can't do anything to him. Uh-huh. So I wanted there to be some kind of interaction. Uh, where you can look at the board, look at what the other players are doing and being like, okay, I'm going to mess with him or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I can to stop him. You know? or, or, you know, if I do this, he can kind of screw me up, so I'm going to do the other thing because it, it it's a safer bet. That's just fun to me because it keeps people engaged, if, especially if you have a large game, like there's four or five, maybe even six players. Mm-hmm. If there's nothing for you to do while everyone else is taking their turn, yeah. You're, you're gonna be bored. How long? Uh, how long have you been working on this? Uh, <clears throat> really, like focused working on it. It's been it's been kind of tossing around in my head for at this point almost a year, honestly. But I've really been working on it for about three weeks, uh, three months. Yeah, and that's insane. yeah, dude. No. And that's generally how things go with me. Like I kind of need to 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 bounce something around in my brain for a little while, like just kind of ruminate on it, and then. It's weird for me, but like it'll just click, and it'll just be like okay, and then brr, I'll just burn through. Yeah, you know what I'm doing. How so. close do you think you are to finishing? The design is done. So the design, it, and then you just have to. So I just have to make the materials and test it. I'm sure there's going to be some there's some blind spots that I didn't think about like that are going to come up in te- yeah. uh, testing. There's also a couple of questions where I don't really know where I want to go, but they're largely cosmetic. Uh-huh. Like so, for example, there are um, there are heroes that you recruit. The first part of the game is you recruit a team of three heroes. Mm-hmm. And each hero has sort of different abilities, and, and that's going to determine how you're going to play the game, like how you're going to try to win. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the thoughts was, well, I can kind of create these heroes, like create personalities for these heroes. Like it's Rhaegar, the Berserker, and mm-hmm. you know, get an artist to draw up, you know... A, long-haired, like, classic Conan-type character, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then it's, like, you know, Merlin the Sorcerer or whatever I want to do. Um, or, you know, that, that takes a lot of investment and, uh, uh, or I can just call them, like, by a, a job title. Uh-huh. Like, I recruited a knight, a thief, yeah, and yeah, they, I get you. You know, and it's like which one's better and I, there's different people have different opinions on that so I want to ask a broader range of people what they think would be better. I think a large part of it's going to depend on how good an artist I can get. Because if I can get an artist that really creates a personality, I think a named hero, it would be really cool. Uh-huh. Um, but if it's more of a, I want you to identify with this person as a hunter, then I'm just going to go the hunter route. But So there's a lot of that that's going to be testing, seeing what most people like, what they don't like. Um, but as far as like the mechanics of the game, for the most part, they're set. Um, all of the cards are written down. I have a big file with all of the text, everything that's ready to go. I just have to start printing these things out and, and really get it on it. So I'm hoping in a couple of weeks to have a dinner party uh, where I'll make everybody delicious food, and, <laughs> and in return they'll play my. You're game. trying to sell it, sell us on the food. Uh, well, I mean, I go with my strengths. <laughs> <laughs>
Wait, if I was going to start a business with your skills, I would do those southwestern egg rolls as like a frozen food. Oh, yeah. Like Trader Joe's. Those things are ridiculous. I really, good. yeah, I really was thinking about that, actually. I, I need to look into what that would take. Because um, I've got a couple other egg roll recipes at this point that are really good. The southwest are just classic. I don't think you can beat those. But, um, you know, and it's fun. Do you think that it's because we live in L.A.? Or or is it, like, something larger at work that everybody has, like, a side project? Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like you have your source of income... But then you also have, like, a passion project that yeah. you're an iron in the fire that could lead maybe to something yeah. much bigger than what we're all yeah. doing, you know? That's, I'm certainly guilty of that. I just, what do you think? I think part of that is L.A. because there's <laughs> always been that starving artist element. Like, people are a little more comfortable with the idea of this is what I do, but this is what I do for a living, yeah. you know? But at the same time, I think a lot of... There's a lot of Etsy and stuff all over the country. Technology though. has made it easier to have a side hustle. Like, I know people who, they buy and sell things on eBay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, based on their return, like, they'll catch a really good deal, and then they'll just turn around and resell the item for maybe, like, $5 more, $10 more. That's a lot of work for $5. Well, I mean, except that they kind of have their system down, and it's actually not that much work because of... It would be a lot of work if you were going to auctions all the time... You know, kind of like the old antique store kind mm-hmm. of idea. It would be going to auctions all the time, hoping to be able to get something under value and then take it back to your storefront that you have to maintain and hope that somebody will buy it for. And frankly, even in that case, this is like $20, $30 more than mm-hmm. you paid for it. But of course, economy of scale, you do that for a whole shop and you make a living. But it's still a lot of work. Yeah, The technology has actually made it easier to do that than a traditional storefront. Mm-hmm. Um, as Like you said, with Etsy shops, like... You know, there's people who they are fairly talented artists, but they never they're not necessarily good enough to, you know, sell their work to a national thing. But people will absolutely buy something they designed, you know, a little oil painting or something for fifty bucks. Sure, uh-huh. absolutely. And technology has kind of made it easier to do that. Um, and I think another element is, frankly, it, it came out of uh, the economic downturn. I mean, you can see. National publications, magazines, um, channels, things like that, dedicated to what's your side hustle, basically. Like, I, I think that after the economic downturn in 2008, people again sort of were like, well, I had to do something extra for money. And then that's actually, it's actually fulfilling. Like a lot of people, like, like having something you're working on that you're seeing develop. Yeah. Even if it doesn't make you a lot of money, that's not the point. It's almost like your hobby, but your hobby is a business that actually might make you some money. Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, that's kind of like what it is with the game. Before I started working on the game, you know, I, I wrote Pathfinder campaigns. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just little things that I did that, that felt good, that I liked doing, and I enjoyed watching it develop. It's just, you know, this might actually leave my living room. Mm-hmm. So. That's interesting. Yeah, man. Well... We're getting to past the forty-five minute mark, so I don't. I have no idea how long do you think a podcast should go on for. I think more. Some than of them go super long. Some of them go like, super long, but I feel like, like more a, than an hour, you need to be somebody. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know what you mean. It's like you listen to podcasts. It's like 
Rogan will be three hours. Yeah. Uh, some other people are, you know, I'd say the average I've seen is about an hour and a half. Yeah, Sam Harris is like two hours. Um, but these are names. Like, these are these are guys. And, and there's a, there's an element of trust when giving somebody that much yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. It's like, I know Joe Rogan is going to be interesting. I know I'm going to get something out of Sam Harris talking to some guy for yeah. two hours. That was the, the challenge to myself of, like, why should anybody listen to this like yeah. when I'm not an expert or authority in anything anywhere at all? Like what? you're not known for this, you're not known for for, you know, any particular thing. You have no renown. Yeah. And all the podcasts I listen to are by like really well renowned people. Yeah. Comedians and fighters and Navy SEALs. Yeah. Whatever it done is. Things. That's why I, I had this idea of doing the interesting route of like who's the most interesting yeah. person in your phone and see let's see what happens organically. Because sometimes some like the you know about like serial and uh, oh, um, yeah, shit yeah. town is like another one by I heard I think shit. It's I gotta NPR. check out My wife is so into it. But there's they're random stories about nobodies, but they're yeah. hugely interesting yeah. and engrossing. So, um, as the end of this show, I want you to pull out your phone, go find your Let me phone, grab my phone, and ah. then I'm gonna ask Josh to go through it and find me, you know, between three and five people in his phone that he thinks are the most interesting people in his phone and just give me like like a little one or two besides you blip about them yeah well obviously besides, <laughs> besides me would be good um and i should actually write this down or you know it's recorded i'll, I'll figure it out i right. can go back and listen to it <clears throat> so let's see here and I'm already going to be doing Nick, so if you can find somebody other than other than Nick. I was just say Nick is definitely going to be one uh, high on the list. Let's go other than Nick. Interesting, however, it's to find you. But you know what? Like where you're somebody where you when you if you were to go to a party and you knew that that person was going to the party, yeah. you're like, oh, all right, good. This is going to yeah. be like this is a character. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And then. After this, I'm going to get the contact info of those people and reach out and see who's willing to come on after Nick. Fantastic. Yeah, after Nick. So, yeah, Nick is definitely going to be one. Um, I suppose next time I should probably have you do this off the episode so yeah. that there's not all this dead space no, well, you can of looking. Edit, right? you can no, edit. I'm not editing. That's the whole point. I don't want to edit it at all. I all want right. it to be just whatever it is. Uh, I have a former co-worker by the name of Lashika. Uh-huh. She is a fantastic conversationalist. Um, I find her interesting because she grew up... Um, she grew up in L.A. Uh-huh. Um, South LA. I wouldn't say South Central, but, you know. Um, but she's very brilliant, did really well in school, and got a full scholarship to Berkeley. Oh, wow. So she definitely has this, and she's she's very good at being like, well, this is like the Berkeley answer to that question. Like, this is the more high-minded academic. Uh -huh. and But this is like my sort of more street-level personal experience answer. Um, she's very open to talking about anything. 
Okay, so cool. Well, I, let's put her down as one. Yeah, definitely, because I like I've had so many fantastic conversations with her. Okay. Um. Let's see. See, the thing is, you know most of the people that I know. Yeah. At this point. Yeah, we're definitely. Uh, so it's it's not going to branch out too much. But that's how it's supposed to start, you know. Oh yeah, it's yeah. Like I came up with three or four names on my own and then I'm hoping that those people will have names and it'll branch out right into something larger and if nobody listens it's still just a, a good excuse for me to get out and have some conversations with people right because yeah, I tell no, you I sit in an office all day long um, and I shut the door and it's just me and podcasts anyway yeah. which if you listen to the same podcast for a long enough time you start to feel like you're in that conversation because you're you're there all the time. You yeah. listen to the same people all the time, but you're not able to participate. So I was like, exactly. I gotta do this myself, just as an excuse to go out and have these participants. So you might have to do this one over Skype. Okay. But my friend Tabby has led a very varied life. Okay. Like a lot of different experiences. Um, Is this Craig's? Yes. Okay. But I was friends with her before Craig met her, so okay. I still I still claim her as a friend. <laughs> he doesn't get to uh, to have she. I'm trying to figure out what I'm saying. She's not just Craig's ex. Okay. She's Why is she the most interesting or one of the most? interesting? She's got a very, and this this would be kind of interesting for you. She's got a very. Um, She's got a very rambling mind, like, when it comes to, like, life and the meaning of life and shit like that. Uh-huh. And it's kind of fascinating to me because I'm such a realist and a pragmatist, and she tends to be a lot, a little more, like, spiritual, but in a very interesting, like, I, I don't know how to describe it, but she's just interesting to talk to. Okay. She's done a large number of things. Like, she's lived in L.A. At this point, she's living out in the boonies of Portland. She's uh-huh. from New Jersey. She lived in New York. Just a very, like, a lot of different perspectives. Uh-huh. So she's, she's fun to talk to. And then another person who's a fascinating individual um, that I don't think you know is uh, Richard Lopez. Richard Lopez is a co-worker. I used to work in the same office as him. We don't work near each other anymore, but he's um, we stay in touch. Uh-huh. Um, and Richard is... I don't even know how to describe it. He's just interesting. Uh-huh. Like, Richard's just, just an interesting guy. He's... Um, I like Richard because he's fascinated by everything. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like you could, like that butter conversation, he would have jumped in. Yeah. He would have been right there. It was like, yeah, let's talk about butter. Like, <laughs> he's just, he's a fascinating guy. He, he might not have like the super nerdy knowledge base, but, you know, if you bring the information, he'll discuss it. Yeah. You know what I mean, like whatever you've got, he's willing to talk about. Cool. And he, I like talking to Richard too because... I tend to be a little less people-oriented than than most, like uh-huh. probably a little lower than average in my orientation towards the human element. And Richard's really good at like taking some some very basic knowledge and like talk so like before I'll even think about it, be like, well, this is how that relates to people. Uh-huh. Like, here's what that means to civilization. Here's how it will affect you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, really, kind of bring the human element. Uh-huh. To it. It's not just this cosmic idea like black holes he'll like bring it down to earth and be like this is the this is the impact it's going to have on people cool and so he's a cool guy to talk to all right well i will get their contact info off of you and reach out and see if i can get somebody to do an episode of this podcast what do you think i should call it 
Like if you had um, to just spitball, what comes out of your mouth what right comes now? Out of my the most interesting um, person in your phone is way too long, <laughs> but I, it's it's hit it hits home so well, right? That it's hard to come up with something else. Uh, uh, well, one thing you'd have to hone it, but the idea of like your your you know your uh, uh, your speed dials, like mm-hmm. who's who's your top guys on your list? I know most people with cell phones they don't have that old speed dial yeah, system but yeah, we're dating ourselves a little bit but i mean even your phone has like your your top contacts your uh-huh. favorites um but you know like just referencing that that seinfeld conversation where like who you know the who's who's your number one spot on your speed dial uh-huh. or like when his girlfriend got mad at him because she was number two uh-huh. you know things like that like you could go something in that angle or you could go i mean sometimes the single single word names are, are really popular so you could just call it like interesting uh-huh. Or something along those lines. All right. Well, I like thanks, the, Josh. I gotta, I gotta work on that speed dial thing. There's gotta be an angle you can come at that's better. Right. That sounds well, better. But I like the angle. We'll figure it out. All right, man. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Sure thing.